Hello, brewery fanatics, and welcome back for another episode of Brewery Travels. I'm your host, Joel Geyer, otherwise known as Brewery Travels on social media. And today is an episode that I'm sure many of you are excited about because we are going to one of the craft beer hubs of our country, Portland, Oregon. Uh, I lived in Oregon a few years ago with my wife down in Eugene, and we love the beer scene out there. But as always, I have two guests with me who know a lot more about it than I do to help uh, kind of explain and talk through it all, Lisa and Jeff. So thank you both for being here. And why don't we just start by each of you giving a brief intro about what got you into beer and how you're part of the beer community. Uh, Lisa, you can lead us off. Okay. Well, hi. Um, I'm, my name is Lisa Morrison, and um, I am co-owner of Belmont Station, which is a bottle shop and beer bar um, here in Portland. Um, we've been around for, um, it'll be 25 years this coming year, if you can believe that. <laughs> So some big plans for that one coming up for sure. But um, before that, I was a I was a beer writer, had a radio show and podcast about beer for about 10 years and um, have done a lot of um, events and fundraisers and things like that in the community as well. That's great. And uh, Jeff? Yeah, I, I'm old enough to remember that uh, Lisa used to be known as the beer goddess, which is how I still kind of think of her. She's uh, uh, one of the most important figures in the beer scene here. So it's really nice to be here with you, Lisa. Well, uh, and same to you, Jeff. So <laughs> I remember reading about Jeff when he was writing in the Willamette Week. So that's that. Yeah. So we're both a little long in the tooth. So we remember uh, back in the old days uh, when we were younger. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. So my name is Jeff Allworth and I write about beer, have done so since uh, I wrote for the local Alt Weekly back in the 90s, the late 90s. Um, and I've written books and I have a long time uh, a beer blog. And I even do a little podcasting, though, if you listen to me, you may wonder about that. Well, and you also, I know you just finished up a book tour with your second edition of the Beer Bible. Uh, so I guess, you know, you don't want to, people need to know, like th these guys, you guys know your stuff. So, uh, and speaking of that, like, so moving into Portland, talking about it, when people think of the craft beer movement and the places that it kind of started, Portland, Oregon is always one city that is going to come to mind. And, you know, going back to the early mid 1980s, you know, you had Bridgeport, Widener Brothers, McMenamin, Portland really helped kind of spearhead this industry. And so, Jeff, what events and circumstances led to Portland becoming a leader for craft beer? Yeah, it goes back a little bit earlier than that. In fact, there was a an aborted early uh, brewery called uh, Cartwright that started okay. in the late 1970s. It didn't make it, which was actually um, inspiring for others because um, they, I know that uh, Kurt Widmer at least looked at that and thought, well, I think, I think we can do better than that. I know you guys failed, but maybe we can, we can improve on that. Um, you know, Portland has uh, long had a, a history with brewing, five years or something after the city was founded, we had our first brewery in town and it was downtown, um, right downtown up until almost the turn of the century. I think it closed in 99, uh, Henry Weinhardt's and we have the hop fields here. So, you know, it's a, it's an old brewing city. I think a lot of times, if you look at the, the, the first cities that got up and running, um, they had large local breweries. Um, so people knew about buying local. And so when a little brewery opened up, it was weird, but it wasn't that weird. And, Henry Weinhardt's uh, was definitely an important precursor for all of that. They they had a they had already released a kind of upscale 
uh, logger. It, you could, we wouldn't call it a craft logger, but it was it was kind of an upscale thing. So the idea of local and quality um, were things that existed in Portland, you know, dating back into the 1970s and early 80s. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of the history I would give, sort of a potted history. Lisa, what do you think? I agree completely, and would also add that um, I feel like there was always a, a pretty big um, homebrew culture here. Mm. Um, partially, I think because there's a little bit of a counterculture. Um, community here anyway. And so people were, were, were dabbling in homebrewing, even when it was illegal. Um, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> back in the 70s. But um, I do know that, you know, some of our, um, some of our um, beer legends and our beer leaders were um, instrumental in getting the, um, the laws changed so that you could homebrew legally um, you know, back in the seventies, like, like Jeff was talking about. And then of course that brought in, um, Fred Eckhart who wrote his first book on the essentials of beer styles. Um, and then of course, um, the McMinimans, um, you know, kind of doing the first brew pub here and everything like that. I think one of the things that, that I always have, has, I've kind of puzzled about is it's like, sure, you know, why here? you know, things were going on in California, things were going on in Washington. There were a lot of people that were brewing um, all over, especially along the West Coast at that point. But one of the things that um, I was talking with Rob Widmer one time, and he said that one of the things they found is just in general across the United States, what they would do um, at Widmer is when they'd enter a new market, they would go in and what they called wet taste people on the beer. And he's like, even now, you know, when there's craft beer all over the place, so this was probably 10 years ago, but he said, even now, you know, we'll go into a, into a new market and a lot of markets, you know, you'd be like, Hey, you want to try some free beer? <laughs> and a lot of people would kind of be like, no, no, thanks. He said in Portland, that was never a problem. Everybody was always ready to try something new. And I, he kind of likened it to the pioneering spirit that's out here as well. So that's just yeah. one little anecdote that I know about. Yeah, well, I mean, because it is it is just like you guys said, the culture kind of, you know, the, the people have to be receptive to it as well, because I mean, obviously now, I mean, you look at I mean, pretty much every single city has some form of craft beer scene at this at this point. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things that just caught on early, uh, specifically in the Northwest, but especially in Portland. And now when you look at the craft beer scene, if you look at a map of the craft beer scene, just like many other, you know, large metro areas it almost is overwhelming how many different brewery options there are, especially if you're someone who isn't really familiar with the area. So mm -hmm. if someone is making their first trip to Portland, they've never been there before and they want to experience, you know, the local craft brewery scene, you know, what recommendations would you make to them, Lisa? Oh my goodness. <laughs> how much time you got, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> not en not enough if it's important. Not enough, never enough. Well, you know, here's uh, my husband and I just actually did a little touring around um, the holidays. And one thing that we try to do um, is we try to actually find a good reputable tap house or beer bar that has um, a lot of good craft beer different breweries that local local and regional breweries and that way we can maybe go talk to somebody there who's knowledgeable try a few of those beers see which breweries we maybe kind of might want to lean toward and then maybe go visit those breweries um that's kind of how we approach it um and of course i would probably say that because i own a tap house and <laughs> <laughs> and bottle shop but but no i mean i just feel like that's kind of a good logical way to kind of learn something about the area 
um, rather than just going to like one brewery, mm -hmm. you know, you can visit several in a short span and kind of learn a little bit before you kind of head out and do some more exploring. Yeah. And uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts? Yeah, actually, for my blog, I each year I put out my my favorite breweries of the year, the breweries I think are doing the best work. And I try to think of that in, in terms of if you're a newcomer to the city, mostly, although I think because there are so many breweries now, mm -hmm. even if you live here, it's there's always breweries you haven't quite gotten to. And so it, it's it's a nice survey for me to do, too. And and one thing I, I do is I think about, you know, there's going to be people who like IPAs, there's going to be people who like lagers, there's going to be people who like wild ales. So I try to kind of mix it up. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have breweries that do all of that. We have, um, you know, Breakside Brewing is one, uh, a mm -hmm. brewery that's pretty f famous, I think even nationally, uh, who does, they do great IPAs. So if you're an IPA fan, I would say you probably should start at, at Breakside. They're, that's kind of what they do. But if you like lagers, you know, maybe you should go to Wayfinder, a relatively new brewery mm -hmm. that does uh, extraordinary lagers. Uh, I'm currently drinking a Zwiggle House, uh, which is a beer from uh, a local brewery in Portland. They also do lagers. Uh, if you like Wild Ales, we have a, a, a several breweries that do pretty darn credible wild ales um one that i try to point people to they do everything but um one of the things they do so well is wild ales and that's upright brewing mm -hmm. um they've also recently gotten into cascale which is becoming a thing in portland uh, after 30 years which excites me so we're starting to see people do that but there are also a bunch of cool uh smaller breweries that don't have a, a huge reputation uh that uh you know we can talk about those as we go along but yeah um, that that i think you know, are probably not on people would not be on people's radars because they're not national names or anything, but uh, are doing some really good work. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I think Portland, you know, there's definitely no shortage. Like I said, we could probably just spend the entire, you know, 40, 50 minutes or whatever, just listing off all the different breweries that you could go and visit in the area because there really is, you know, you, there's a plethora of, of options. And so you both kind of talked about this in your intros. You have both of you have been, you know, part of the beer community, covering the beer community for you know a very long time and so what have been some of the biggest changes that you have witnessed you know this can be long term you know lisa i know like you said from when you started 25 years ago like so much i'm sure has changed and jeff even from the two different you know you've had to you know with your beer bible book it's been what five six years i believe in between the two editions and right. i'm sure lots has changed there too but uh why don't you lead us off jeff yeah i mean we've gone through so many changes um you know going way back to the the to 1984 when the first two breweries that survived were founded uh you know that was an era in which it was it was brew pub beer and and mm -hmm. portland i would say one thing that's really important to note is portland's a brew pub town um it's not mm -hmm. a tap room town we have tap rooms but by far the majority of places are going to serve food and that's kind of a historical artifact of having been in the 1980s uh this you know a leader in in brew pubs and lisa mentioned uh this big important local a company called McMinimins who has a million uh, brew pubs scattered around town. And it really set the yeah. kind of the, the, you know, the, 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 the thinking about what a pub should be. You should be able to get a burger at a pub is kind of how people think about it. Um, so, you know, brew pub culture was in, in the eighties and nineties. Uh, and then I think we were fairly early on hops. I know that uh, Boston likes to take a lot of credit for having uh, invented IPAs, but we had a really, really important IPA in uh, 1996 by Bridgeport Brewing, which is now sadly gone. Mm -hmm. um, 
which actually looked quite a bit like a precursor to a hazy IPA. It was actually quite hazy. It was made with an English ale yeast, and it was made with a ton of late edition hops and uh, Whirlpool hops. Um, and it was very juicy, and it, it kind of put us on track for uh, a different kind of IPA. Um, when people talk about West Coast IPAs, they typically are talking about San Diego IPAs. Um, the Northwest yeah. IPA is fruitier, uh, fuller, more rounded, um, still has that nice bitterness, but, um, you know, has has a little bit more complexity than I think San Diego does or historically had done. Uh, you know, and then going forward, you're, you're going to get into the same thing that happened in, in the, the teens that happened everywhere where um, uh, breweries completely exploded and you have niche breweries opening up and now you have lager breweries. And so it's really changed a huge amount uh, and continues to change. And in fact, one of the really big changes we've had in the last few years is those founding breweries have started to be uh, go away or uh, in the case of Whitmer purchased outright by AB. So mm -hmm. it's, it's no longer a city that's defined by those founders. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a really good point. We have seen a lot more of that, you know, the niche breweries coming in and we have seen more, you know, Bell's just was, was purchased as well. So you have seen a lot of these that have, you know, gone through that. Lisa, what about you? What, what are some of the biggest changes that you have witnessed um, from your perspective? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, um, actually, one of the biggest ones is um, just the the huge crush of cans that we that we see beer put in anymore. Um, I mean, I, I, I hesitate to call Belmont Station a bottle shop anymore. And that's what we used to call ourselves because we are almost 100 percent cans. And um, it's just crazy to see how that's changed so much in honestly, well, 10 years, but for sure, five years. It's just really crazy to see that happen. Um, it's also great to see, um, and this prob probably is a little inside baseball, but it's really interesting to see how distribution has changed. Um, now we have distributors here in Portland that um, basically do these short um, licenses with breweries and they'll bring them in for like 30 days and boom, just do a drop and here's all their beers and people go crazy for them and then they disappear and we may or may not see them again. And, yeah. or we might see them again next year. You just never know. And it's just been, I think the pandemic had a little something to do with that. And some of that is some of the, just the, the new models that some of the distributors have, but it's, uh, it's been really fascinating to watch. Yeah. And, and thinking of the cans for my, for my personal view too, I remember what, so it would have been, I turned 21 in 2013. That was my junior year of college. And so that's when I started buying, you know, beer. And I was always, I've said this before on the podcast that, I was always the, the the guy that would go and I would buy the pick six or the variety pack while everybody else would get whatever was on sale for a 30 rack that they could get cheapest. <laughs> but I remember when I started, it was it was still at that point almost all bottles, at least where we were. Um, there was very there's very few of them that were canned. And I, I noticed that that, that change just like you said, especially the last five years, it has just completely shifted the other way, which I like. I, I like I like the, the cans and everything, but that is an interesting uh, note to make. So now I, I know that, you know, it's a topic that everybody hates talking about because we've been having to address it for now, closing in on two years. Uh, but although the pandemic, you know, has not gone away. Uh, local breweries are continuing to grow and thrive. And this is especially the case, you know, in Portland to some extent, uh, you know, I was looking up and several breweries are opening up additional locations, Ecliptic, Berlick, Breakside Level, just to name a few. Um, there's several other, you know, just brand new breweries sprouting up. So I know everybody, you know, the question for years now has always been about, you know, the saturation point. What's the saturation point? When are we going to, when's the bubble going to burst? But 
in your opinion, are there areas in the Portland beer scene that you can see even more growth occurring, you know, whether it's neighborhoods still being underserved, beer styles, whatever the case may be, Lisa? Um, yeah, I, I still feel like um, the suburbs, um, even though there's been a huge, huge push out there and there are mm -hmm. a lot more places that are either establishing a second or third location out there or they are uh, or somebody that's just new out there doing something. Um, but I still feel like the suburbs um, have been incredibly underserved in the Portland metro area for the longest time. So it's really, really good to see some of those places um, finally getting some some um, good beer culture. I feel like especially um, for some reason, and maybe it's just because um, of the way that our geography is in the Portland metro area. The west side is kind of where Nike and Intel and all those people are. The east side suburbs um, don't really have that kind of um, that kind of you know big corporate draw. Um, but I feel like maybe even the east side of Portland um, really is, is where there's <laughs> some really good opportunities probably to, to have some good craft beer um, culture spread out there. Is, the, is there a reason that you think that the breweries have, have, for the most part, for so long, remained concentrated, you know, within more of the Portland city limits? I think it's kind of one of those things where, um, and, and I was noticing this when we, like I said, when we were just out traveling, um, I, I, I noticed that there's a lot of places elsewhere where if one brewery comes up, then another one pops up nearby. Or it's the same with the other things, too. You know, uh, if there was a... Um, a Mexican restaurant, then you all of a sudden you see a bunch of Mexican restaurants pop up or something. It's mm -hmm. just it's kind of one of those things where I feel like, um, you know, uh, uh, Don Younger, one of our our um, patron saints of, of beer here in Portland, um, used to always say that a rising a rising tide raises all ships, and I feel yep. like that's kind of the same thing in terms of you know this one this one brewery pops up and it's doing well, and so some other ones come along in that same area, and then that gives tourists and travelers and people who are visiting customers of, you know, even locals, a chance to go and visit a couple of different places as opposed to just one. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but now with, you know, with, with urban prices becoming more expensive, rent is more expensive, that sort of thing. I think, um, um, and, and there's, there's more people just moving out to the suburbs, um, right now in Portland. I think that, um, that has a lot to do with it. Um, and before, before there wasn't, there was that need, but it wasn't being recognized. I think now it's finally being recognized. Yeah. And, uh, Jeff, <laughs> yeah. And so Jeff, Jeff, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, how breweries have kind of staved off this pandemic, opened more locations and, you know, whether like where there's more room for growth still in the Portland beer scene? Yeah, I mean, I would echo uh, what Lisa said, just to give listeners who haven't been here a, a kind of a mental map. Portland is a river city and it's divided. The Willamette River cuts the city right in half. And it's really two cities, the west side and the east side. And on the west side, you have a completely different culture than the east side. I used to actually drive a cab and I was, cabbies were either west side cabbies or east side cabbies. And they didn't know the other half of the, the town. Um, and it was like, I drove a cab for a year, I think, and about twice somebody wanted to go deep onto the west side from the east side. Um, ah, they just, that would have been horrible. <laughs> yeah, I would have been. I was, and, and this was this was before the internet, so I had to have him guide. I had to gu have oh. them guide me there. It was it was bad. I had to get out the old Thomas guide. Oh no. <laughs> you're you're pulling up that big paper map in front of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the west side is is much more um, like I think 
many cities are. It, you know, it, it, it's it's where the hills are, and so it's very curvy, and there's cul-de-sacs, and um, there's actually a lot more big old fir trees over there. Um, and the east side is uh, a grid, and there's little neighborhood community centers, town, you know, downtowns, and so there's all these little neighborhoods, which were really perfectly set up for people to rent them out, um, lease them out and put breweries in them. Whereas on the West side, you know, you've got more strip malls and like less, less just good opportunities to start little breweries in them. So that, I think that's one reason why historically most of the breweries have been on the East side. And, and Lisa's right. What we've seen is, uh, people moving out to the West side. And I think that's, um, going to be a big change that you know half the people live out there so if if they get the density of breweries we have here then on the east side i'm an east sider uh, lisa i don't know where lisa lives but her but belmont station is just down the road from me so not, not too far from you jeff i can, I can but, actually walk to work so there you are <laughs> yeah we're kind of east siders yeah. um but I, but i do think you know in reference to the covid question it it, it Portland uh, has always been a very draft-heavy city relative to other cities, and even pretty large breweries uh, like Breakside, which I mentioned earlier, I think they were brewing 20,000 barrels a year, and and they were 80% draft. So when wow. COVID hit, you know, that's 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 a kind of a little worrisome problem there. Um, that and that was not they were certainly not the only brewery that was confronting that, but you know, shifting from draft to you know buying a canning line so many breweries spent their ppp money to buy canning lines mm -hmm. <laughs> um and you know portland was uh, oregon was really good at uh direct to consumer so mm -hmm. breweries uh were able to uh figure out ways to sell uh to do home delivery um and that was one way they survived uh i, I do think it's it's good you have lisa on here the the, the the, the local beer scene has been heavily, heavily supported by pubs. Uh, none of these breweries, like Breakside is not selling 20,000 barrels out of their own breweries. There's, you know, they're depending on a network of, of, of pubs and restaurants um, so that people can get Breakside wherever they go. So it, all of those networks uh, were really challenged by, by COVID and everybody had to scramble and figure out new business models. And it was you know, it was it was challenging, and it was it was interesting to me that in the middle of COVID, even in in 2020, you saw yeah. breweries opening up new satellite tap rooms, even yeah. when they couldn't actually get people in them, they were they were leasing them out and and uh, preparing for what they assumed would be, I think, a quicker reopening than we've had. <laughs> but they were still banking on on getting people uh, in seats and drinking draft beer in the future. Yeah, I mean that that is that's been a common thing too when you talk about you know how states. How, or how the state of Oregon was able to help with, you know, kind of the transitional process. Cause I have, I've, I've, I've done this with many cities and it's been a topic on several of them. And in some some states have been a lot more helpful than others when it comes to, you know, how they were able to deal with COVID, you know, and some of the kind of rules and regulations that were either kind of stripped back and kind of helping get the beer out to more people. Uh, but we will get right back to our awesome conversation with Lisa and Jeff about the Portland beer scene right after a quick word from a sponsor. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province yet, you can still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we are back with Lisa and Jeff to talk more about the Portland, Oregon craft beer scene. So we just talked about growth despite the pandemic, but there's also been some kind of sour notes, specifically when it comes to events. Uh, in the past year, Oregon Brewers Festival and Holiday Ale Festival were both canceled. Uh, looking at the next year, Fort George already has canceled their Festival of Dark Arts. So have these cancellations, like how have they, how have these cancellations affected the local beer scene as a whole? And Jeff, do you think these events will continue to like look different for the foreseeable future, even once they do come back? It's, uh, you know, I'm done predicting what's going to happen with COVID. Uh, so I have no idea about that. I will say that they they have historically been uh, incredibly important events. Um, Portland, you know, if you look at the population, the city's supposed to be a pretty big city, but it, it feels even, even though basically everybody in the city drinks beer, uh, it mm-hmm. still feels like it's a tight-knit community. And so when you go to these events, uh, it feels like kind of a homecoming. Um, you're going to see friends when you go to a pub. If you go to Belmont Station, you're going to see somebody you recognize. But, um, you know, the big festivals were always, uh, you know, lovely times to hang out with friends and kind of reconnect. Lisa mentioned Fred Eckhart, who, who the, the famous writer, the most important American writer uh, in the early days of beer. He was like this talisman who would show up at all these events and, and he became more and more famous. And I remember um, in his later years, he was so famous that people, you could just see people in the periphery hovering around him. Like that's Fred Eckhart. Uh, so you know people gather at these events and they're they're important and i we just my favorite i think i I shouldn't say my favorite because if it were the summer i wouldn't say this because uh i would be thinking about the oregon brewers festival but it's the winter and we just missed Mm -hmm. the holiday ale fest Mm -hmm. which is this thing that happens under uh in our down what what we call the, the living room downtown pioneer courthouse square which is where they have the big uh 50 foot uh, tall dug for Christmas tree and there you have the the uh, the event under tents where they have clear tops so you can look up at the Christmas tree it's warm oh, cool. it's always terrible weather out there so you're warm in there drinking strong beers they're almost all one-offs it's a real party and it's really fun um, and man I've been missing that one it's two years in a row we've missed it so let's hope it comes back uh, a year from now yeah Fingers crossed for, for, for all events and just somewhat return to normalcy, which we thought we were getting to. And then another curveball came our way. But Lisa, what are your thoughts in terms of what, you know, these beer events have meant to the local craft beer community and and what what missing them has meant? Well, definitely what, what Jeff had to say for sure. I mean, it's, it's definitely um, not being able to run into all those people that are your kind of, you know, your festival friends. I mean, some of these people come from all over the world 
for these festivals. And some of these people there are people that you only see during those times. And so, you know, we've missed those people for sure. Um, but, you know, the other thing, too, is like um, there's some peripheral things that happen that spin off of these festivals, you know, just like at the GABF, there's all the events that happen with that and everything. Um, one of the things that um, that's near and dear to my heart is the um, Sasquatch Brewam, which is a, a golf, um, a golfing event that happens as a spinoff to the Oregon Brewers Festival in the summertime. And it was a um, it's a way to honor um, one of our brewers in Eugene who passed um, Glenn Hay Falconer. But it also is a fundraiser for his uh, scholarship that was set up for um, and it's set up to um, send Northwest brewers um, and Western West Coast, West Coast, West Coast and in the West brewers to um, to brewing school. And, um, you know, this is this is a great way for us to raise a bunch of money for these scholarships. And. Um, we've had two years in a row now where we haven't been able to do that. So not having that, um, that opportunity to raise that money is, is um, definitely affecting the Glen Hay Falconer Foundation, for example. So, you know, even though, you know, th there's, there's, there's all this domino effect that always happens with these things, right? It's that butterfly effect where, you know, it's not just a ripple in the river and <laughs> all that good Zen stuff. <laughs> Well, those are all those are all good points, and I think you know we can now kind of transition to a, a happier topic. I guess you could say uh, these last few questions are ones I always like to end the episode with because I think they kind of encapsulate you know your ability to kind of describe the city and or the the beer scene. So first up, we'll start with you, Lisa. Is there a specific beer, or if you want to be more broad, a, a beer style that you feel best represents Portland? Oof, gosh, you know, I would have at one point, I think I would have said that it was probably the uh, the Northwest version of the West Coast IPA. But these days, I think it's a it's a um, really good, clean, crisp lager or Pilsner. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think that's what uh, that's what all the all the crazy kids over at Belmont Station are ordering these days. Any specific <laughs> any specific uh any specific ones from any breweries that, that come to mind when you think of that? Our, 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 our kids really love, I love too. Um, uh, Wayfinder's doing some incredible work with their, mm -hmm. um, with their Pilsners, um, especially the Italian pills from them is really good. Um, Ecliptic has a good one as well. I mean, we've got some, we've got a couple of really good lager breweries. Um, Heater Allen is just always killing it. And Lisa Allen is one of the best brewers I've known. Um, but, um, you know, all of those are really, really good. But, you know, even even just our breweries that brew a bunch of different styles are really nailing it with the lagers these days. So I'm, yeah. I'm thinking we're, we're becoming a lager town. How crazy is that? Je Jeff, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll give a different answer because because <laughs> I, I call a major. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes for a better podcast if I have a different right. answer. But, I, but you know, this is a really important key feature of Portland is that we're a pilsner town, um, and it, it loggers are. Uh, you know, you could say loggers in general, but really pilsners. Mm -hmm. If you look at uh, you know the 50 breweries in Portland that um, you know that like take a survey of the, I don't know how many it is, 50 to 70 breweries we have in Portland. Uh, I would, I would hazard a guess that uh, 80 plus percent have a lager in their regular lineup. Um, there are a number of them who have a lager as one of their, their, their two or three best selling beers. Um, it's not, it's not just one of those, you know, like, 
you hear about, oh, Gozas are having a moment. Everybody's mm-hmm. drinking Gozas. It's not, it's not one of those things. They are moving a ton of volume in Portland. Like people are buying a lot of Pilsners. This is not, it's not just like the, the, the trend of the moment. It's a big deal. And so I, I think, I think Lisa's, Lisa's right. I think, uh, um, uh, you know, I would, I would, I would say a Pilsner and, uh, you know, it would, would probably be the surprise, uh, uh, answer, but because Lisa said that, I will say an IPA because we're still an IPA town. The other, Seriously? the other beer, <laughs> mm-hmm. the other beer that those breweries uh, feature is an IPA, and they usually have two or three of them. So let's be real: the volume is still on the IPA side. And um, you know, uh, we've got a brewery that I didn't mention when I did my little announcement called uh, Von Ebert's, relatively new brewery. Uh, they have two sites, um, and. They just won the gold medal at GABF for their mm-hmm. volatile substance. Um, on my podcast, we did a blind tasting uh, of Oregon versus Washington IPAs over the summer, and they won our blind tasting. And I believe, I could be wrong on this, but I believe they won our local uh, GABF, which we call the Oregon Beer Awards. Um, so they they just, I mean, volatile substance is a hell of a beer and it's won all the awards um, and these are blind tastings and there's a reason it's an amazing amazing beer and i think it i think it captures what we're doing here right now pretty well it's uh it's an east east versus uh, east east meets hazy ipa it's it's not hazy but it's got a lot of juiciness mm-hmm. uh, but it also has uh, a crisp bitterness so it's got kind of the the classic bitter profile that you like but a ton of aromatics just incredible aromatics and juiciness it's a wonderful beer so von ebert volatile substance is what i would throw out there i definitely got to add that to my list then it's the beer that um in my travels recently i've been taking with me to give to everybody so Mm, yeah (laughs) (laughs) well that that's when 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 the bottle shop when the bottle shop owner is the one is is taking a specific beer you know that that's a good one then yeah it's pretty i and in you know just to piggyback on what jeff was saying it really is um kind of what you were saying before jeff about how um the pacific northwest um variant of the west coast ipa don't you think that that pretty much just nails it yeah totally yeah especially (laughs) especially in 2021 or 2022 i guess we're in now you know it's like an updated version it's Mm -hmm. these things constantly evolve and it's it's right where we are right now Mm -hmm. absolutely so the next question is, is always a difficult one and i phrase it as such that you know i know both of you work with you know lots of breweries interview lots of breweries but what are three breweries that you just really really enjoy and that you would just like to give a shout out to uh jeff you can lead us off this time well i mentioned a few already so you know that i like those um you've given me an opportunity to mention a different brewery so i'll take yes. that opportunity <laughs> uh i'm gonna i'm gonna start with um a little brewery that uh, came on the scene uh, probably like 2015, uh, and kind of didn't attract a huge amount of attention. And they were the they were the little engine that could. And I think they're doing amazing work right now. They're it's called Berlick, B A E R L I C. They do wonderful uh, kind of. They're a generalist in a in a world in which generalist breweries are not really popular. They don't. They they make they make a a good series of lagers. They make great IPAs. Uh, they actually make a few dark ales, which is, you know, stouts and porters, which you don't see so much anymore. So they're, they're rocking it. Um, another brewery that's in that camp. I'm going to give you, these are the, these are the not high profile breweries. I'm going to give you three mm-hmm. of these. Uh, one that I really love uh, that makes wonderful, and again, uh, kind of a, a range, but 
I think of them as the brewery that if you if you're in the mood for a really good uh, English style beer, uh, sessionable beer that's really balanced, you go to Level, and the, okay. it's right there in the mm-hmm. title. Level, uh, they they go for balance, so they make a ton of IPAs, of course, hazy IPAs, regular IPAs, but they also make these wonderful sessionable beers uh, that I super love, and I think they're they're kind of doing great work that um, that people maybe are not paying a whole bunch of attention to. Uh, and then the last one is, um, uh, oh man, I'm having a senior moment. Ex Novo. Sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, which we, one of those breweries that just started out being a Portland brew pub. I don't think they had aspirations to be considered among the city's best. You know, they just wanted to make good beer and a good experience. Uh, they were in a little bit of an underserved neighborhood, um, kind of, uh, centrally located, but in a place where there's not a whole lot of breweries. Uh, but but they've just managed to put together a portfolio of incredibly good beers, and they're they're uh, I, I would say doing some of the best work around. If you like sour ales, uh, they're a really good place to go. They they do a bunch of stuff, but for the people who like sour ales, you're going to find really nice tart. Uh, sessionable beers there that are balanced and quite tasty. So there's three that I would recommend yeah. in, in addition to the other ones I recommended. That, that, those are all great names. Uh, Lisa, what about you? Oh, goodness. Um, well, gosh, Jeff has some good ones. Um, <laughs> no, you, I, I got lucky. I got to go first. Field, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a shout out to um, a couple of the breweries out on the North Coast. Um, our friends over at Fort George Brewing mm-hmm. in Astoria because um, they are only distributed in the Pacific Northwest. And so if you need to get them, you got to get them, come here and get them, which is pretty cool. Um, also, Bowie Brewing, also in Astoria. Um, I feel like they have a dunkel that is out of this world. And um, they also make some really incredible um, West Coast style IPAs. And uh, they just really are great at a bunch of different styles. So love love what those guys are doing. And only because I don't think in all of our conversations that we've had so far, and I know that most of this is focused on Portland, but these are all beers that you can get in Portland. Um, I don't think we mentioned Frame. Yeah, we should mention Frame. We have to talk about Frame because they're just nailing it on all counts. So I'm going to throw them in, them in there as well. Mm-hmm. No, th- those are all great names. I think, you know, I've only been to, I think I've been to less than a dozen actually in Portland. I'm, I'm hoping to come back soon. I haven't been to Portland since 2018. But Ex Novo and Breakside both would have been, I, I think, two that I would have mentioned. Um, another one for, for people, if you're looking for the, you know, super hype, trendy styles, you know, with the pastry stout stuff, the fruited sours, you know, Great Notion is one that hasn't been mentioned. It's one that mm-hmm. is, is is incredibly popular. I know I always see their cans on Instagram, you know, all over the place. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely, definitely no shortage uh, of great breweries. Like I said, we could have spent a whole long, a lot more time just listing off some of the other great breweries. But I, I would really like to thank Lisa and Jeff so much for coming on uh, to talk about the amazing craft beer scene in Portland, Oregon. Uh, so we can go ahead and, and wrap this up. If you guys have any other kind of final thoughts or conclusions about the Portland craft beer scene that you want to share, uh, why people should come and visit as well as uh, if there's any way for, for people to reach out, if they have any other, you know, need any other recommendations at Jeff. Yeah, I guess just to kind of wrap up uh, the, 
you know, doing travel Portland's uh, work here. There's a reason why uh, Portland has always been considered among those those leader brewer, uh, leader cities in terms of good beer culture. And it, you know, it starts with uh, breweries, but it doesn't end there. Uh, we have this network of of fantastic pubs uh, that Lisa is a part of. Um, but if you go a little bit further out, you find hop fields. Um, Cascade hops, Willamette hops, uh, Strata hops, uh, you know, more recently, these are hops that were developed by uh, hop growers, USDA and others in Oregon. Um, we've got a malt house that's across the river in Vancouver, Washington. We have two yeast banks. We, uh, we have the, uh, we have a, a school to teach brewers how to brew down in OSU uh, in Corvallis. Um, it is, it is an immersive experience here where uh, you have, all these supportive industries that you know have been here for for decades now, uh, helping kind of drive interest in in beer in Portland, Oregon, and and Portland is is a place where basically everybody drinks craft beer. You can't find a Bud Light on draft anywhere in the city. I mean, literally, it's really really hard. You go to a, a dive bar, you're gonna have a hard time finding a, a Bud Light. Um, and and the any the people who drink beer are just the people. So if you walk into a bar, you're gonna see. Uh, a nearly equal mix of men and women um and you know that's it's just it's a it's a place where everybody drinks beer uh and uh and they have done for a long time it's a deep deep part of the culture and i think having traveled around the country it's true that many places now have a lot of uh breweries and i just did this tour and i was really stunned by a bunch of uh, cities like Atlanta uh, and Austin that really have stepped up their game and are really impressive. But I think Portland has some stuff to offer if you look uh, kind of at all these levels that um, mm-hmm. we and we and we have had them for a long time. So that that's my pitch about why Portland's could be. If you're interested in knowing why Portland is special, that's what I would, that would be my answer. Yeah, and then uh, do you want to shout out your uh, blog, podcast, etc. If, if people are wanting to hear more from you. Sure. Uh, my blog is birvanablog.com. Uh, my podcast is also called the Birvana Podcast, and you can find a link on the website. In fact, you can find a link to everything I do on my my website, uh, including my books. Uh, and you're very gracious to mention that I just came out with the second edition of the Beer Bible, um, which I'm pretty proud of. I think it uh, it updates things nicely. So I hope when you go there, look looking to learn about American IPAs, it's actually accurate now, uh, and hopefully it'll be accurate for a couple of years. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, with yeah, how quick things me. change, you're just hoping you don't have to make another edition quite so soon. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and and uh, Lisa, what about you? Any final thoughts, conclusions for Portland? You know, um, I, Jeff did a great job of uh, with the with the kind of travel Portland pitch. Um, but truly, truly, one of the things that I feel like is um, that I always tell people about about the beer scene here versus some of the other places that I feel like beer is newer in a lot of other um, mm-hmm. cultures and communities or around. At least craft around, beer. Yeah, craft beer. Craft beer yeah. is new, um, yeah. I, and that's the other thing is we just call craft beer beer here yeah, that's right <laughs> and, see, and I'm, I'm being from milwaukee that's a very different you know beer but, versus craft um, yeah. beer so um but one of the things that i think is is really really special about portland is is and i i liken it i like i liken our relationship with beer to that of like an old married couple you know the thrill is still there we still love each other but it's just a lot more comfortable you know we're mm-hmm. not like doing the we celebrate this all the time and bang the drum and all that kind of stuff it's just part of Part of all our, our our cultural fabric, 
And, um, it, you know, like literally when you say you want to go grab a beer, we don't mean go grab a Budweiser or the die, die yeah. hard on the way. We literally mean go get a craft beer somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I feel like that's um, that's something that is a little different um, in Portland than it is in other parts of the world. So that's well, something to think about for sure. And the way you both just described it, you know, that kind of community with 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 craft beer and everything it's one of the many reasons why i love portland i love visiting there i loved my time living in oregon although it was not in portland we visited portland often uh but again thank you so much to lisa and jeff uh if you are a new listener you can find uh me on twitter at brewery travels instagram brewery underscore travels as well as my website thebrewerytravels.com where you can find links for the podcast maps of my travels uh merchandise all that kind of good stuff uh, as well as a, there's a Facebook page for the podcast as well. And uh, remember, whether it's where you're living or where you're visiting, be sure to drink local everywhere. I've been walking around, waiting for you to shine.